The mules are in the corral. Welcome to Mule Talk, and I'm Cindy K. Roberts, your host. On this week's episode of Mule Talk, we have a certain special lady that works with Mustangs, and she uses Liberty Training in her program. She is from Lebanon, Missouri, and her name is Teresa Rankin. Teresa, thanks for coming on. Hi, Cindy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited about it. You know, we've met several months ago, and it was at the Rouge and Rogue event at Panther Creek. Um, And to me, that that was a real fascinating event. I got to meet with you. I got to talk with you. And I saw you work with, uh, with these horses that had issues. And, I mean, you have the gift. I mean, you are really, you're, you're just very special in working with these horses. So... Tell me, how did you get your start? Well, first of all, thank you very much. I appreciate that. I just, uh, I, I kind of took a different approach this year rather than, you know, just working with my horses or, or a horse that knew what they were doing. I wanted to work with um, people and their horses and see if we could get them, you know, thinking along the lines of how to, you know, take home knowledge to, you know, just apply things to better their relationship with their horse. And that was really fun. Um, I got my start. Um, just a fun story. Um, my earliest non-memory that that somebody, my mom told me of me riding a horse was, um, she was riding with me when I was somewhat of a baby and, uh, the horse got to acting up and a complete stranger had to hold me (laughs) as that was passing her on the side of the road so that she could calm her horse down. So, um, I mean, I guess just for fun, that kind of shows that I was riding horses before I had a clue anything about them. <laughs> and um, it just kind of grew. I was probably raised what you would call cowboy style. And it was only probably about 2015 that I was introduced to more natural horsemanship concepts. And I just kind of went off the deep end studying and, and trying to you know, I had the confidence from my, my background and being raised around horses, but it took a, I guess, probably partly becoming a mom and realizing I wasn't invincible anymore. I wanted to become smarter in the way that I worked with horses. And just um, that, I just fell right into that. That, that is amazing because I've, I've watched you work with the animals and you certainly have like an aura that takes over, you get the animal's attention. And your work is very positive and fascinating. Yet you studied under another person years ago. I remember you telling me that. I have studied a lot of different trainers, um, you know, from my childhood that was, you know, the rough and tough, you know, cowboy up to get back on. Okay, okay, good. Yes, yes. But then... So, I, I mean, and, you know, I don't want to do that now, but looking back, I can definitely appreciate the confidence that that gave me into, you know, modern-day stuff. <laughs> so, um, but as far as the natural horsemanship approach, it started, I wouldn't say I've just taken hook on one trainer and went from there. I've got, oh, shelves of DVDs and books, and I went to clinics all over just, trying to just be a sponge for that whole okay, sure. world in itself. Right, right. Okay, that's that's great. When when you talk to a client, I mean, how, have you ever turned anybody away? Have you ever said, I just don't, I don't want to take your horse? Well, it was only, 
about two years ago that I even considered taking in outside sources. And when I opened that door, I kept it very small, very, um, I've only taken in a select clientele um, just because I, I don't have a, a 30 day or 60 day training program. I, right. I work with somebody that understands, yeah. you know, taking things, you know, I, I do have a systematic approach, but recognizing that that takes a different time with each horse and that there's fluctuation within that approach as well, depending on, on the horse. So, um, I had a pretty small clientele by, and I've enjoyed that. I've, I've liked keeping it that way. And I only take in one to two outside horses at a time. So I keep, I'm a stay at home mom. I homeschool my kids and I, you know, have, have priorities. I, I try to prioritize my family, and then my horses. The outside training, I don't want to overwhelm myself with it, and I also want to still prioritize my own horses. So I don't want to, you know, kind of get lost in the in the case of making money or whatever. You know, I want to still make have that as a passion, so I don't want to over, you know, drive it into the ground. I get that, and I I see that in you. I mean, that that is what makes you so special, you know, as a trainer. Thank you. <laughs> and um, the horses I've seen you work with, I mean, they, they had some issues, and you were able to identify that and get get something established. I mean, you're, you really do know your craft. So I know you will be what, are you going to be at some events coming up this year? I mean, I I really want to see you work again. Well, um, the the only thing I have on like a annual repetitive basis is the Rouge and Rogue. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah. That's in October, and we've only had it a couple of years, but it, I'm pretty sure it doubled in size from its first year this past year. Um, and so that's exciting. And I do offer clinics, and I've been in contact with a couple of different people that host those, um, but we're, we haven't finalized the details for this coming, coming spring or summer just yet. Oh, well, that's exciting that you're offering clinics. Wow. Yes, I actually love that. That's probably, um, I would rather do clinics with people and their horses. Okay. Or the environment. Yeah, because then, you know, it's one thing to take a horse and, you know, put all those buttons or whatever you want to call it, you know, have, you know, you have kind of your instruction manual within the horses that you train. But um, it's a whole other thing to be able to provide the person and that horse with that relationship that, where they have that instruction manual as well. So, um, you know, I, I told clients before, you know, it's like training a Ferrari and then sending you home and you're not knowing how to drive it. So, uh, I would yeah. rather, yeah. Okay. So it just, it makes more sense to me to train the people with their horse than just to train the horse. Right. And then, then not know how to use that training. Right. So, have you ever worked with a horse and then you just felt that special connection that you really wanted to own that horse? Well, so that's kind of, that's a fun question because with the extreme thing makeovers, um, when you get those horses, you don't own them. The, the BLM, the Bureau of Land Management, the government program still owns those horses. Right. And um, yeah, so you're training them with the agreement that at the event, which is 100 to 150 days after you pick that horse up from wild, you're training that horse for that period of time. 
with the understanding that at the end of that, every horse will be in a public auction. And you may not get to buy your horse back depending on your budget and what the horse goes for. So um, I feel like there's a happy emotional balance of probably falling for that horse, but also falling for it or letting with the understanding that you're going to let it go as well. So um, I've actually cut two of my extreme Mustang makeover horses. And I really wanted to keep my third one, but he was one that was so good that I felt like, man, he will be good for anybody. And that to me was, it was easier to let him go that way because I knew that he would just be a solid horse for anybody willing to practice good horsemanship with him. And he has been. And I've loved that because I get to see him in his new home. The owner is very um, interactive shares posts about him and, and sends me Christmas cards with pictures of him. And I just, I don't know, that's been rewarding in itself as well, that but is, letting go of him. That is so neat. Um, yeah. I mean, and it's happened with other horses as well. Um, so outside of the makeover horses, there's um, the trainer and center program where you don't have, let's say, a competition deadline. But your goal is to gentle these horses to where they can go home with somebody and then continue on to riding training. Um, and I've had a couple of those horses in that I just love. And again, there's adopters end up just being really good people that keep me up to date and, you know, stay in touch. You make good friends that way too. So, so it's, how do you, I mean, it would be hard for me to say goodbye, you know, to a horse like that. And I would want to keep track of it. I mean, do you do you keep a ongoing dialogue with these people and find out what the horse is, how he's doing? I would say it depends on the adopter and the horse. Um, there has only been one horse that I've completely lost touch with the person. And, you know, we just weren't uh, very interactive through the training process. And, I mean... You know, it, it takes two to kind of keep that communication back and forth, and I'm not going to, you know, force that relationship either. I love hearing the updates, and so I definitely encourage them when the adopter gives them, but at the same time, I don't want to, you know, I also respect that it's not, not my horse, and I can respect, you know, that that line of them having their, their horse and doing what they want to do with them. <laughs> so. Well, Sure. And Teresa, this one thing that I remember from the Rouge and Rogue event at Panther Creek, you said that, you know, when, when a horse gets it or the response is there, you do give the, the cookie the reward because that encourages that chewing and licking motion. I remember that. And and yeah. Yeah. That, I didn't use the, I wasn't, you know, I didn't, wasn't familiar with, the positive reinforcement or treat training. But once I became familiar with it and once you understand how to use it, it can be such a valuable tool. Um, you know, it's like not only is it the treat faster, but when you think about it, when a horse is eating that treat, they're looking and they're chewing and relaxing if they're, you know, getting it in the right fashion. And, you know, when a horse is thinking 
outside of a treat training environment, there, if the horse is licking and chewing, they're contemplating things, you know, they're thinking. So if you can be the one to initiate that thinking response, it can just speed up training and speed up understanding in really positive ways. Um, once I became familiar with that, it's really been a pretty essential part of my training. Yeah, wow. Yes. But it also, I also understand that it doesn't work for every horse, and some horses are too treat motivated, or oh. maybe it doesn't work as well right. as others. So. Right, <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, it's, it's not across-the-board healthy for everyone or every horse, but... If you can make it healthy within your program, it can be really beneficial. Sure. You have a small child, and uh, he just seems like he's very active. Is he <laughs> is he on a pony yet? Tell, tell me about your son. Well, so before winter hit, he was riding with me double and loving it. I mean, he would, I would lope with him on, a, on, some, on one of my horses in particular, and if I would stop, he would look around at me and go, mole, mole. his way of saying more he wanted more he wanted writing so we did we've taken a break just because I feel like I can't bundle him up enough to go on what ride by life they take him on right now so um but hopefully in a couple months or two or so we'll get him back on there and hopefully he won't have forgot that he liked it so much so, how old is he now? He will be two in May. So. Oh, my goodness. He is so special. I mean, he was so <laughs> active last um, October at Rouge and Rogue. And, and, uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, he's a handful. He's a lot of fun. He's my youngest. I have two older boys as well, 11 and 6. So, 11 and 6 and one and a half-ish. Okay. So, so <laughs> yeah. Um, and they're what are they horse lovers or you know they're horse likers (laughs) (laughs) okay all right you know I'm I'm trying to like provide the opportunity and show them how fun it can be and it's really hard for me too to not like micromanage that interaction so Mm -hmm, my own son has a pony and I think it's good for a kid just to have a horse that they can just have fun with. And, you know, I'm, I've got to watch my eye for like, okay, you know, we, this is how you do this maneuver or that, or, you know, softness training. You just kind of got to let it have a good tolerant kid horse that is okay with that. And then let the kids just enjoy that time. So um, it's kind of been a fun, happy medium of, for me to know when to not say anything. (laughs) (laughs) You were on Facebook, right? I am, yep. Um, CL Horsemanship or Trusta Lincoln Horsemanship. So, okay. I've taken, I tried to slow down my social media a little bit recently. Um, I'm still active in my training, but I just um, try to be more conscious of slowing down that a little bit. Sure. (laughs) Okay. I understand that. If people wanted to get in touch with you, if they wanted to hire you to come out and work with them, how do they get in touch with you? Well, um, I still get my Facebook messages, so that works. That's easiest to remember and go through that. Or um, my phone number is 417-527-1834. And that's my business slash personal line. So you can... Or text, or however you want to do that. <laughs> well, thank you.
you. And thanks for coming on. And thank you for having me. Yeah. So nice meeting you. And just like you said, just you can tell that the good energies about things. So it was fun to meet you. It was. Oh, and it was great to spend time with you too, Teresa. And I, I will be and seeing thank you, you again. For your book. I, I read it. It was probably a few months ago, so it's not fresh on my mind, but it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have an active imagination, as you can tell. So, all right. Okay, good. All right. Don't forget to look for Teresa Rankin at the Rouge and Rogue event held at Panther Creek Trail Rides in October. Calling all you outlaws and rebels that ride the dusty trail. The Desperado's Cookbook and Guide to Common Sense is filled with recipes and protocol for the modern day saddle tramp. Easy recipes for home and on the trail. Kick it up with wild horse whiskey pie and serve the all time favorite Stampede Peggy's Cowboy Spaghetti to all your hungry trail hands. There's advice in the common sense section on the art of romance, how to go courting and how to handle the in-laws. The Desperado's Cookbook and Guide to Common Sense is your kick-butt approach to life, and it is available at everycowgirlsdream.com and other participating outlets. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or a sponsor, send me an email, cindy, C-I-N-D-Y, at everycowgirlsdream.com. Gotta go. My mule is looking for me. 